the things you get to do when you're making your own announcements. Yeah, how are you guys doing? It's so good to be here with all of you. And uh, those that are watching online, thanks for joining us today. We're going to have a great time. We've been having a great time. As I get into the message, I want to uh, let you know that... Um, Talking about the Monster Mile that happened yesterday, uh, I'm not sure if I believe the number, but the people who put it on told me there were 10,000 people that came through. Um, I would say there were thousands anyway, um, whatever that was. And uh, we had a, a good time passing out um, waters from the church and information about the church to and uh, the Christmas tree walk and those kind of things. People coming through and we got to talk to so many people and kids. It was good. Uh, we were happy to be able to, to do that. But uh, one of the things that I heard that was just amazing, somebody said, uh, you guys do so many wonderful things in our community. I'm going to come check your church out. And I thought that's the kind of compliment that you want to hear as a church, that they recognized who we were and that we're involved in the community. So uh, we love that and happy to be a part of that. And then um, it's just, uh, it's exciting times. It's exciting part of the year as Thanksgiving gets closer. Um, and then after that, Christmas. So anyway, glad that you guys are here with us for this ride. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I, I was stalling because I remembered there was some, I knew there was something I needed to say. Uh, when you get up in front of people and you're talking sometimes, you know, you forget, but that's okay. Next week, a very, uh, a friend of mine, who I just have made friends, is going to come and he's going to talk to us a little bit. Uh, doing a amazing work. He's uh, just recently left the, uh, he, he was a church planner and pastor and just recently um, felt God call him into a different ministry. He's working for Wycliffe Bible Translators and uh, he is doing oral Bible interpretation. Uh, translation, excuse me. And the translations he's doing are for indigenous people groups that don't have written language. So uh, it's really fascinating what they're doing. Very innovative in ministry. And uh, I'm so happy he's going to come talk to us next week. But uh, then the next few weeks, man, you're going to have to tell your friends, if you have questions about heaven and hell, uh, I'm going to be talking about that. I'm just going to open that can of worms wide up and we're going to talk about heaven and hell and what that means and um, what they are and, you know, all that. So it's going to be an interesting study over a few weeks. Uh, and then after that, we'll get into the season of Advent and Christmas. So uh, all is coming up and it's all happening soon. So, all right. Well, today's the last day of this uh, series we've been going through called Kingdom Business. And I want to spend a little bit of time um, recapping what we've went through so far. If you've missed any of the messages, this is the sixth week. I would encourage you, please go back and check the website. Look at the videos. We keep the videos updated and the podcast. If you do a lot of driving or uh, even if you don't drive and you just listen to podcasts while you're doing stuff around, um, download the church's podcast. Listen to the teaching. These last uh, five weeks and now this sixth week are um, I believe pivotal to what Jesus has called us to be as his followers and his kingdom. So, uh, but quickly I want to recap a little bit. We've, we started off talking about the minimum entrance requirements of getting into heaven. Jesus never talked about this, but um, we have reduced 
Christianity into the minimum entrance requirements for heaven. Jesus talked very often about the kingdom of God. He talked about bringing up there, down here. Uh, this kingdom is a place where there is no junk, where there uh, are no small-minded things happening, where everybody is welcomed and nobody is excluded. Um, people in the kingdom of God care about the poor and they care about the marginalized. They care about the environment and they care about our neighbors. Jesus is recruiting a group of people to participate in this kingdom business and he's called that group of people the church. That's us. Uh, actually, he called it the ecclesia, which is the gathering of people with a common interest. And um, that's what Jesus called it. And then he also talked about, we talked about Jesus believing that when people understood what this kingdom was, that he thought they would be willing to do anything to be a part of it. That they would, uh, he told stories like this uh, about the man who found a treasure in a field and then in his excitement and in his joy, he went and he buried that treasure back in the field. He sold everything he had just so he could buy the field so he could have the treasure. Or the story of the merchant uh, that found a pearl of great price, great value, and went and sold everything thing that he had and, and bought that choice pearl. Uh, we also talked about boundary markers. I don't know if you remember boundary markers. This is one of um, my favorite parts of this series is because we get to talk about boundary markers a little bit. The church has set up boundary markers. We set ideas and, and things up in a way that we can decide who's in and who's out. Interesting enough, as we're talking about that, um, I was talking with uh, the Dan, who's going to be here next week, Daniel, and he was telling me that they do that in uh, oral, in part of his oral translation that he's been working with. He's found that indigenous people groups do the same thing. In the oral tradition, and he might tell you this, there is a, um, a person or some people who are the ones delegated to tell the story. They don't memorize the story like you and I might try to memorize word for word something. They memorize certain key elements and it's passed on from uh, one person to another person to another person, but they're chosen people. And so they also set up these boundary markers to decide who gets to be part of those who share the oral translation, the, the, the oral um, history and those who can't. Uh, rabbis did this in Jesus' day. They settled on three things that were very important. And if you read through the New Testament, you'll find out that those three things are constantly talked about. And that's dietary law, uh, circumcision, and Sabbath keeping. Those three things were, it seems like, some of the very most important things that they talked about. Um, even though they knew that the thrust of God's law uh, of God's law was to love God and to love your neighbor that Jesus says the whole law can be summed up in those things and we talked about different subgroups in our culture like bikers and I don't mean to pick on them but they like black and wear leather right and you know if somebody's wearing leather and and it's black leather that they are a probably a biker or a poser either way um, Jesus had boundary markers and these boundary markers were markers of the heart. Uh, there were things that you can't see. Paul describes it like this. He says it's a circumcision of the heart. It's, it's something that Jesus is looking at as far as if you are in or out, but it's nothing you can see. Then we talked about the rhythm or flow. We need to learn, we learned that we don't need to run faster or try harder to be a better Christian. There's nothing you can do to, uh, in, in your behavior or your appearance that will make you a better Christian. 
because it's all in the heart. I think for millennia, we have tried to do things better, to, to try harder, to be a better Christian, but that's not what it is. It's all about how much Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit, has infiltrated our heart. Like Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, there's a spring that's a flowing eternal life. And I want to give that to you. If God's love is like a spring that flows all the time, then our job is to find the flow of that spring. Our job is to find the song that God's already singing and learn to harmonize with it. To do with him what he is trying to accomplish. Because the kingdom of God has nothing to do with being religious. And then we talked about what it means when it breaks into our church or community because there was once a place where this happened where people loved each other so much that in just around 300 years, um, the entire known population of the world, over half of it became followers of Jesus because it just took over the world. If we love God, then we will love God's ragdolls. And finally, we began to talk about what this looks like. It looks like love. 1 John 4, 7 through 9. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And love is not inward focused. Love is outward focused. Love cannot stay with us. It must go from us. It's like the Dead Sea. If it only has inlets, then it's going to be dead. There have to be outlets. And we learn that we need to enter people's worlds to be with them. So I want to talk today about, as we wrap this up, what is our part of the story? What is our part of the story? What is it that we should do? Now that we've studied Jesus in the first century church and we understand what Jesus talked about the kingdom of God is, what, what is it that we can do? What is our part? Uh, the first thing I want to tell you is that the core is love. We've said it over and over, but we have to understand that the core is love. Sometimes I feel like I talk about love too much. Then I think you can't really talk about love too much because God is love. As long as we're talking about love, then we can be talking about God. And God has taught us to love. He's shown us how to love. He communicates that love to us. Everything about God is love. The core is love. And we as people tend to make it about rules. We tend to make it about being perfect, but it's not that. It's about love. So I think if that's the case, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we should talk about what love is. What is love? I mean, we hear about it all the time. We know that God is love, and that's a, that's a can that we could open up and spend a lot of time on. But I read a book called Relational Holiness, and it gave a definition that I really, really like. And it says that love is to promote the well-being of others in every area of their life to promote the well-being of others in every area of their life. Um, love for a lot of people tends to be about promoting my well-being. How can I feel better? What can you do for me? Um, we see that often as a youth pastor. I saw that a lot with teenagers. They would think they were in love with somebody, but the reason they wanted to be with that person, the reason that they wanted to hang out with them was because of how it made them feel. It made them feel good. It made them feel whole. It made, you know, and, and they turned it on themselves. And when we do that as adults too, we just hide it better. I want to hang out with you because you make me feel good. But love isn't that way. 
Love is moving outside of itself. It is promoting others' well-being in every area of their life, which also means it's more than just saying, I love you. There's another definition that I love in 1 Corinthians 13. And this is interesting too. If you read through um, the scriptures and, and you're reading through 1 Corinthians, and I just recently have discovered this. And 1 Corinthians 13, we know, a lot of people know in, the, in Christian circles as the love chapter. I don't believe that Paul said, you know what, I'm gonna write a bunch of words about love that can be put into a wedding. This is gonna be awesome. Just write all this down. Because if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, it reads more like a discourse in leadership. Um, he's, he's talking a lot about things that have nothing to do with love necessarily. And then all of a sudden there's 1 Corinthians 13, that's love. So I believe that in the circle of what love is, God is calling all of us to love people and it's not a romantic love necessarily only. It is a love of our friends and it is a love that promotes other people's well-being. And anyway, let me read it. It's awesome. This, this gives us such a well-rounded picture of what love is. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And this is good. This is where we need to really pay attention. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. It's a really well-rounded idea of what love is, especially as we love other people because a lot of times we will hold something we don't forget. Like, well, I don't forget. Like, I'm gonna keep loving you, but I don't forget what you did last week, right? We get angry with each other. We lose patience with each other. We say unkind things. Not love. And as I'm, I forgot to mention, side note, as I'm digging into this today, the notes for the message are in the church's app. So if you download the church app and go to the Bible portion of it, it'll connect you to the Bible app where the notes are. So knowing that the kingdom of God, the core of this thing is love, understanding what love is, what does that mean for the church? At our church, we began years ago talking about what did God want from us? Kind of going in a new direction. We had leaders of the church get together. We talked about things. We prayed about it. And, and God gave us a vision. And surprise, it's, it's a vision of love. It's on the sign that when you walk in the church door, it's one of the first things that you see. Our vision statement was born years ago. And it's this, love like Jesus so that lives are changed. 
I think that encompasses everything that Jesus has called us to do because he wants us to love like him. But if you break that down, what is that? That's a, that's a deep, self-giving, sacrificial kind of love. To what end? So that lives are changed. People come to know who Jesus Christ is. The ultimate call. It's the last thing Jesus told us, his disciples, before he ascended. It's one of the last things he said. Our job is to reach others for him. So I've broken it down into, into really three parts. And the first is this. It's, it's about loving God. We need to love God with every fiber of our being. With, Jesus describes it like this, quoting the Old Testament, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. With everything you've got, with all that you have, with every piece of who you are to love God. You know, God extends his love to us freely. And it's, this is amazing that God would allow us to choose to reciprocate that love. This is what is awesome about that, is that God makes himself vulnerable to us. <laughs> the creator of all things makes himself vulnerable to us because we may choose, and some people do, not to reciprocate the love that he so freely gives us. Some people turn away from it. Some people spit on it. Some people despise it. And yet he loves them still. I can remember asking Sarisa to marry me. Um, I think the name of the restaurant was Venetia's. She can help me remember that, yeah. Italian restaurant in Midland, Texas. Um, it's strange the things you remember. I don't know if you can remember significant events in your life, but I can remember right before I proposed, I started to look around. I was looking around, I was nervous, I was anxious, I probably was sweating. I had hair at the time, so you couldn't see so well the sweat and uh, there was this amazing vine that had grown around the whole it was crazy you've been in restaurants like that or seen plants like that it was just everywhere I can remember that and I remember saying something about the vines and she was probably like what are you talking about and then I'm sitting in the chair and she looks at the vines and then I get down on a knee and there and I can remember I'm there on my knee and I say I don't even remember all the things I said. Probably some goofy, I can't remember, and I'm shaking and I'm nervous. And I would like for you to marry me. In that moment was probably the most vulnerable that I've ever been in my entire life. Right? I'm on my knee. I'm proposing to the love of my life. Asking her to marry me. And in that moment, if she would have declined that, when I had made myself so vulnerable, it would have devastated me. And maybe somebody here has been through that kind of a devastation. I mean, I had my heart broken before her. Some of you maybe experienced the same thing. And as I've grown older and I've matured and, and thought about my relationship with God, it really makes me sad to think that there are times in my life that I have not reciprocated God's love to me. Not that God gets on his knee necessarily in the same 
type of a proposition, but he is giving me the opportunity to reciprocate. He has made himself vulnerable. So my endeavor is, as I understand these things, to never make God feel that way. I never want God to feel like I haven't. And imagine how God's heart hurts when somebody doesn't reciprocate that love that he so freely gives. So the first thing I think we need to do as a church is to understand that it is our job to love him, to reciprocate that love. And not in a static sense, but in a dynamic sense. Not to love God, but loving him, if that makes sense. To be in a loving relationship with him dynamically. The next thing is uh, loving others. So first, if we're loving God, then loving others. First John 4, 7 through 9. Dear friends, I just read it a little while ago. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It is so vital that we love each other. This is foundational to the church. In fact, I think that one of the ways that we can despise God's love is by not loving others. I do believe we need to love God and we need to reciprocate that. But part of what he says to us is, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. His desire for us is to love each other. Scripture says if we don't love each other, then we don't even know who he is. I believe that that means that this church, there will be no gossip or backbiting. There will be no undermining each other. There should be fellowship with one another. People should notice the difference in us, the moment they step on this campus, they should know, wow, you guys love. So loving God, loving others, and finally is loving community. And, and not just others in our church, but our community as well. But not just others in our community, but the community itself. It's, it was like I was told yesterday I have heard all of the amazing things that you guys do for this community that's awesome you know how proud that makes me as a pastor to hear that that's amazing but it can be things like if you see trash pick it up <laughs> how many times have we just walked by the trash well it ain't my job <laughs> Tom understands that we were talking about that it ain't my job it's not my trash to pick up. It's not my door to close. Uh, it's not true. It is our trash to pick up. You know, it's a simple thing. I used to ha I have a friend, and he used to drive me crazy because everywhere we went, he was always picking up the trash. I was like, man, let's just, like, you're slowing me down. <laughs> but I have since realized that what a tremendous way to show love and affection for 
our, our community, for our environment. You know, and if you see your, uh, your neighbors struggling to get groceries in their car, go help them. It's a way to love your community. If you, if you see that your neighbor down the street, the one you're always complaining about, has not mowed their lawn, then go mow the lawn for them. You know, it's how can we seek the well-being of others? Right? How can we do that? And, and in our community, finding ways to serve in our community. Uplift yesterday. I don't know how many people came. A lot of people came through. And it's, it's just an amazing thing that people in our community were able to help them with diapers and food. And, and we had, I don't know, over, there were more than 20 people here to help, which was amazing. But 40 or 50 wouldn't be bad either, you know? I know 20 because we had 20 vests and that was all. There were 20 vests. There was all the people had vests and um, some people didn't, but that's because there were more than 20 people. That was amazing. It was, a, it was great to see the community being served that way. If there is no difference between us and our community, then what's the point? So let's make this vision part of our lifestyle. Living a life of love is simply a better way to live. If you, if you look it up, you will see statistically, and I didn't prepare to look, but I, I've heard them, especially recently, that people who are positive, people who uh, are love or have love in their lives have longer life expect expectancy than those who don't. Did you know that? Like it's just um, hugs, in fact. Hugs, so many hugs a day help you live longer because it releases endorphins or I don't know, some, but it's good for you to love each other, to hug each other, to spend time together. Not only do we feel better as in healthy, but people will begin to notice the difference in your life. When someone asks what's the difference that you have in your life, why are you this way? You can tell them that God gives me the ability to love in a way that I never thought possible. And I've said before, if you truly love somebody, then you need to love Jesus. Because Jesus allows you, Holy Spirit in you, allows you to love more. If he is love and we have him in us, we can love the people in our lives deeper with him than without him. So if you really love somebody, draw close to God and he will allow you to love them more. It's like um, turbocharged love, you know? Like it just gives you that extra. The Holy Spirit does. We're gonna close and the band's gonna come up. We're gonna close with a song and I don't wanna be long and drawn out, but maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that kind of love. You need to embrace the idea that God loves you. Just understand that that's who he is. Some people feel even unlovable and that's understandable because our world is a hard world. The world without God is difficult. But God loves you. 
He even created you to be in relationship with him. The problem is that sin creeps in our lives and separates us from God. It is the sin in our life that separates us from him, that keeps us from having this kind of strong, tight relationship with him. So this morning as we close in this song, if you'd like to come and pray at the altar, then please do. If you want to pray in your seat, if you want to pray with somebody, then all those things are welcome, advisable even. even. But I'm going to say, ask God this morning to forgive you for whatever sin is in your life that separates you from him. To let you experience the fullness of God's love. And let me encourage you not to be the one who does not reciprocate his love. Don't break God's heart this morning. Reciprocate that love. And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for the sin. Help me to love you even more. If you guys will stand up and we'll close with a prayer and a song. And like I said, if you want to come and pray, somebody can come and pray with you. God, this morning, we're asking that you would um, just be with us. Help us to search our hearts right now. Psalm 139, I've, I've heard it twice today, in fact. <laughs> 139, would you search me, O God, and know my heart. Find any way inside of me that is offensive to you. This morning, we give you permission to look at our souls, to search our heart. Let us call those things out. Forgive us, we pray. Help us to reciprocate that love to you. And in reciprocating that love, we don't only love you, we love others, and we love our community. It's three-pronged. God, others, community. Be with us, I pray. Teach us your love. Show us what your kingdom is and help us to live like we're living in your kingdom every day of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.